Oh, all the kids are saying it at all the sporting events. You know, they say, I. I believe. I believe. I believe believe that we will win. I believe that we will win. Okay, gotcha. Got it, got it. Question is, what do you believe? What do you believe? Good that you believe, but what do you believe? That's what I want to know. And let's see here. Uh, You know, you hear some Christians say, uh, well, I've read the end of the book, and I know that we win in the end. I believe we will win because I've read the end of the book. We win, compadre, or does God win? You know, we just did this uh, study in our family going through the Gospel of John, underlining everywhere where it says believe and looking at it and what God says about belief. And uh, that was really, really valuable for our family. I'm just looking here at the Gospels. As I think about what we believe, and I'm looking at how the Gospels end, I thought that was kind of interesting, because when we were starting the Gospel of John, I was looking at the way that uh, the way the Gospel of Luke ends, so I thought that was interesting. So, uh, let's see, so Matthew ends where they see Jesus, they worship him, and Jesus says, all authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. The gospel of Mark ends with these wonderful words. Uh, He said to them, go into all the world. Sounds familiar, right? Afterward, uh, let's see, let's back up here. They went away and reported it to the others, but they did not believe them either. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table. He reproached them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. So believe, saved, unbelief, condemned. And that's kind of how that ends the gospel of Luke. As we flip to the back of Luke to see how this ends in uh, Luke 24, verse 47 says, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I really liked that as we were getting ready to read the Gospel of John and how it starts, and especially looking at that specific word, believe, what does it mean to believe? And to see that right on the opposing page here on my left, that believe what? This is it. The end of gospel, uh, Luke's gospel. Believe what? Believe repentance for forgiveness of sins. We believe in the person of Christ, the work of Christ. That's the gospel of John, by the way. If you read through the gospel of John, all he ever asks is that we believe in him. And specifically, we really looked at Uh, chapter one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. 
And the point was that um, we would believe. So as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. And uh, we looked specifically in John chapter 3, you know, the most famous verse, John three sixteen says, uh, of course, you probably have it memorized. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. My personal favorite, which I think should be even bigger than John three sixteen, He who believes in the son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides upon him. So it's believing, yes, but belief implies obedience. We looked at John chapter six for a little bit where Jesus was speaking very uh, directly about um, the need for his life and his death for us. Talking about our spiritual food, the bread of life. We need his righteousness. We need his perfect life. We need his death, his atonement, his blood. So his life is our righteousness. That's the bread. His death on the cross, the blood, that's our atonement, the payment for our sin, the propitiation. That's how we are redeemed so that he drank God's wrath to the bitter end of the cup, leaving no wrath behind. So there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we are set free. We looked at John chapter 11, where he calls Lazarus forth from the dead. And he's talking about death and life and resurrection and eternal life. And that's really, really huge because that's what we're looking for. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And so that is just, that's it, right? That's it. If you believe, you live eternal life. So good. Man, that was such a a beneficial use of our time. And it was also nice because we read through the Gospel of John, sitting down one big chunk. And at the end of the Gospel of John, the way it ends is Jesus talking to Peter. And you remember where he's saying, you know, tend my lambs, shepherd my sheep, feed my sheep. And Peter, of course, really concerned with, uh, you know, John said, what about him? What about him? Hey, hey, wait a minute. What about him? And Jesus says, look, you follow me, okay? But what about, no, you follow me. What is that to you? You follow me. So that belief is putting the blinders on and following Christ and tying back into the end of the gospel of Luke, repentance for forgiveness of sins being proclaimed in his name. Repentance is a part of it. What is repentance? I was going this way in unbelief, but now I have turned, done a complete 180, and I am now going in the other direction towards Christ. So I was going that way in unbelief, death and condemnation, the wrath of God abided upon me. Now I have believed, I've turned, and I'm now going towards Christ. I'm following him so that my whole life's direction is in the direction of Christ. I am now a follower of Christ, a disciple of Christ. I've forsaken the thing. What is it uh, to gain? If you gain the whole world, 
and lose your soul. What is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? The things of this world are passing. Life is but a vapor. It's here and then it's gone. And anything that you accumulate in this life, you just leave for some son-in-law to buy a bass boat with later uh, after you're gone anyway. So make sure you're focused on the right thing. I thought that was really good. I love that. So then the next thing is that the life of the believer is that we are his, we are uh, his children. We are called the church. We are called the bride of Christ. And while we are individuals, we are yet together collectively the body of Christ, the church. And one day we will be reunited to Christ as Christ returns and and, and one day we are brought to Christ as, as the bride of Christ, as the God's gift to Christ. And we will be with him. We will be joined to him. We will be co-heirs with him. You know, amazing things. And, you know, you sit there and you think, how do you read through the gospel of John and see all the amazing things that God is? all the amazing things that God did and how he has saved me from my sin. And I think ultimately that's it because we don't understand the holiness of God and we don't understand how helpless our situation was. And we don't understand what it means when it says that we are dead in our trespasses and sins and that we don't understand what it means when we are under the wrath of God so that it doesn't mean that much that he died in our place and saved us from that. And so we might give a mental assent. We say that we believe, but man, if you believe, like believe from the heart, it just, it changes your life so dramatically, so dramatically that you can't help but follow him and you can't help to have him the singular focus of your life. And the only reason he's not the singular focus of your life is just the sin that lingers behind that keeps pulling us away. We keep thinking that there's things in this life that have joy and and value that uh, we pursue them instead of pursuing Christ. And we sing songs in church on Sunday, like I surrender all, man, I wish I have surrendered all, but I'm still for some reason, just, you know, you get drawn away to the empty fleeting pleasures of sin. That reminds me, speaking of sin and fleeting, we just celebrated Halloween and we have sugar and I have a, a big old bag of Smarties. And that's one of my favorite Halloween candies uh, because it's just pure sugar and I enjoy them. I always keep them with me for just such an occasion. I'll be walking through the store and reach in my pocket and pull out a roll of Smarties and put them in my hand, pop them in my mouth. And I think I look like a, uh, a pill popper walking around. So it's kind of embarrassing because I'm an, I'm an adult sucking down candy. Like I'm six years old. And then I wash it down with the sugar of a, not just a regular Pepsi, a cherry Pepsi so that I have the extra sugar. So excuse me here. Oh yeah. That hits the spot. It's sweet and good. That's the gospel that the world chases after. Sweet and good. Remember the old uh, commercial, taste great, less filling? The world wants taste great, 
They want the sweet, empty calories of church services that appeal to the flesh and give you just this quick, empty burst of joy, a feeling where the gospel is a deep-seated truth, a deep-seated reality that causes you to not long for the superficial, the little, you know, I need an LED light show and a, a great electronic band. Not that any of that's wrong. The preaching of the word that Tony Robbins, you know, messages that Tony Robbins could preach. Any motivational pre- uh, speaker, any motivational speaker in the world could be a preacher in a lot of these churches because it's really about, you know what? I believe in you. I think that you are a good person. It's just sometimes your focus is on the wrong things. So what I want you to do is focus on this and focus on that and completely saying, uh, ignoring the reality that uh, we are in a desperate situation apart from Christ. And Christ has done such an amazing thing with his life and his death on the cross and the resurrection and the fact that he's coming again and he will make all things new. And that, and here's something that maybe you don't hear a lot. I don't know if maybe you've ever heard this about the life of Christ. People talk about the life of Christ as if he came for us, which we are the benefit because he came to be our righteousness and our atonement and to die on the cross. But You hear people talk about Jesus in that same sugary way in that he was just a good guy and he's our buddy and he just came to show us what love looks like and tolerance and acceptance of all and love of all, not understanding that he came as a lamb this first time. The second time he's coming back as a lion. The first time he came to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, this first time he came, he came God in bodily form in whom there is no sin, not even an inclination to sin. He didn't have to fight temptation because the urge to sin was never in him. He was fully obedient to the father. Was he tested? He was tested externally. He was tested all the time. He was tested in the same ways that we are tested. So it says he was tempted, but it's saying he was tested as we are tested. It's that we fail the test because we chase after all the little fishing lures that Satan offers us in this world. And we are quickly caught and ensnared by sin where he did not even have the urge to sin in him. And the whole point and purpose of the life of Christ was not to show us. It wasn't focused towards us. The life of Christ was focused towards the father, God, the father. He came to fulfill all prophecy. He came to fulfill all righteousness so that his whole life was an act of obedience and righteousness towards the father so that now we were the benefactors being able to see what perfect obedience looks like, right? And we were uh, beyond blessed by the opportunity to see him in the flesh and to hear the gospel and him, him calling us to him. 
because that's the desire of God. He loves us and he wants us to be redeemed. He wants us to be reunited to him. He's calling us. And in our sin, we reject him. So one moment we're yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest as he rides the donkey into Jerusalem. And the next minute we're yelling, crucify him, crucify him because he's not who we are. We thought he was. And, and we want a God of our own making. We want a Jesus, a Messiah that's going to look like the, what we want him to look like. And he came fulfilling all righteousness and was in perfect obedience to the father. And he had to die to redeem us. Like God's plan was perfect all along and we rejected it and we'd reject him. And we think that we know better professing to be wise. We become fools, fools, despise instruction. And that's us. We're sinful fools with no hope, no hope apart from Christ and no hope apart from the Holy spirit that would even stir something in our hearts to even want to hear the gospel message. And let alone believe it. That's the prayer. Father, I'm hard-headed. I'm sinful. And the last thing I want, I'm admitting and confessing to you right now, is you. So if I'm to believe, I need you to give me faith. If I'm to obey you, Father, I need you to work that obedience in me. To turn my heart to love your law and to love your ways and to want to obey them. Father, make me more like Christ. Those are the types of prayers that you should be praying. Uh, because once you believe and you are a child of God, and as the gospels say, go, first of all, it will fill your heart. Gratitude and love for Christ will fill your heart so much that you won't have a choice you won't be able to remain silent. You'll go and you'll take the gospel wherever you go and you'll speak the gospel and share the gospel wherever you go because you can't help it. You can't keep it down. You can't keep it quiet. And so the thing is, okay, I'm bringing this living water, this gospel message that changes lives in eternity. And the father is, has got his people out there that he's already determined to save. And I'm casting the good news out, casting the seed, not knowing what the soils are like, but at another podcast that we were listening to this week. Oh, is the living waters podcast was talking about being an ambassador of Christ. And it just reminded me of, I believe it's James and just talking about, um, just how can blessing and cursing come from the same tongue? Just the just the sinfulness of the tongue. And the reason why the tongue is sinful is because it's connected to the heart and from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And uh, so anyways, if we're bringing this living water, would you bring people living water, drinking water? Would you give people drinking water out of a sewage pipe? Would you expect anybody to take you up on that offer and drink your drinking water if you're serving it to them out of a sewage pipe? Well, in the same way, don't bring this living water, this precious gospel of Christ out of a sewer pipe of a life and of a mouth. That is why we have to be sanctified, set apart, made more like Christ. And so everything that we do, if you've believed and you've turned, right, you've repented, you've turned, you're now going this direction, 
You say that you've believed. What does your life say? Does your life agree that with that? Do, just based on your life alone with no words, does your life say that you believe? Because that's the real story. That's the real measure. So listen to the way you talk. Watch the way you live, where you go, what you do. Not when everybody's watching. Uh, what was the old saying? Integrity is not what you do in front of other people, but what you do when you're alone. And guess what? God knows what you do when you're alone. He knows what your thumb scrolls through on your phone and what you see on your computer laptop and whatever, what movies you watch, whatever. And whatever kind of junk you fill yourself with, that's garbage in, garbage out. Sewage in, sewage out. And so you're living a, a life that is just profane. And your words are even cold, wicked, mean, and profane. And then you have the nerve to share the gospel. The living water comes flowing out of that sewage pipe and you expect anybody to drink it. So let me just offer this. The reason why we repent and we believe and we're so grateful for it. Um, the reason why we pursue personal holiness is A, because we've been called to it. Second of all, it's just the natural byproducts. It's a work that God is going to be working in your heart through the Holy Spirit, but you don't think that that just magically happens. You have to pursue personal holiness. Your love for Christ has to be greater than your love for sin. And you have to overcome these sins in your life because while you think that nobody sees it, we see it. We see it. You are like a drunk in public. I don't know if you've ever been walking drunk in public. I have. <laughs> and I can tell you this. I, Hey, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm good. I thought I was, I thought I had it together walking the straight line and people are looking and they're like, look at that bumbling, stumbling, drunken idiot. And everybody knew it, but me. I thought I had it pulled together. There I am stumbling along thinking I'm fooling everybody. So that's the reality of it. You think you have people fooled. They're not fooled. They see that you are a walking sewage pipe that occasionally spouts living water and you're expecting them to drink it. So just, uh, I know that that doesn't sound like encouragement, but I mean it as encouragement to uh, crucify the deeds of the flesh, right? Put to death the deeds of the flesh. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. So it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So the life that I live in the flesh, I live for Christ who loved me and gave himself up for me. We have eternity to look forward to, a good eternity of pleasure and joy and all the good things. There are not good things in this life that you won't have in the next life, except for the good things that are sin. And the good things that are sin are really things that God originally created and intended to be good things, but we have sinfully distorted them. And so uh, it's just the nature of it. It's good. So it gets twisted and turned around. So anyway, uh, some things, two things I would recommend for you is if you haven't recently 
read the Gospel of John and just watch for that word believe. See what Jesus says about believing. Secondly, go to the book of Romans and read Romans and especially the first, what, 10 chapters? And that will set you on your way because the word of God is so precious. If there's something uh, physical on this earth for us to uh, love, I was going to say uh, worship. We don't worship the word, but uh, idolize. We don't want to idolize the word. But man, if there's one thing that comes close to it, it's it. I mean, we have two things. We have the person of Christ and we have God's word. And they are equally important to us. You can't have Christ and not have his word. You can't have the word and not have Christ. They're tied together. These are so inseparably tied together that they are so important. You should value your Bible as what it is, the very words of God. So you don't worship it and love it and idolize it like it is God. Your Bible is not God, but your Bible is the mind of God on paper for you to read and understand to know and grow in the knowledge of the Lord. And so in that sense, it is the most precious item you will ever possess in your lifetime. This is the most precious physical item that you will ever lay your hands on. And I've touched a moon rock and it's nowhere near as impressive. Okay, that's it. That's this week's episode of Letters and Grace. Be watching. I'm going to start a, uh, a short little teaching series here eventually on the book of Romans, and we'll kind of go through it. But don't wait for me. You get in there, start reading it, get to know it right away. It's so important. Why? Because it's how we believe. Believe what? Well, I've read the end, and I know how it turns out, and we win. God's riches at Christ's expense.